recording. So yeah, come I at mean, me. Who Let's knows? talk about astrology. Fucking come at me. Who knows? I mean, I might just fucking become a guardian angel. I don't know. I I I on I am not lying. I have actually considered it. Fair. I have considered it. Give me the satin jacket. Give me the beret. I gotta have a weapon, but I will ride the max at night and make sure fucking people are safe. All fucking five foot three of me. I am. I just don't. I I am so fucking done with this shit. And How I will. I, I I will stab somebody in the jugular what? and probably not think twice. I don't know what that says about me, but yeah. If you were seeing somebody getting sexually if assaulted, I would, I would agree. I would 100% have absolutely, I need to stop talking because I would probably say something really incriminating. Would I kill him if I had to? Yeah. I mean, if you're protecting somebody on a bus who's getting raped, I would yeah. think that that's yeah. probably. That's how you know, I feel about that. No. Most, most people agree that, you know, rapists and pedophiles probably shouldn't exist in nope. public. So nope. If, especially if they get caught doing yeah. it. So I don't know how many. Oh, hi, welcome to Ghost and Hose. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Ghost and Hose. Ghost and Hose, a paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spoopy, killing rapists. It's fine. <sighs> My shoulder just. So I got into real a loud. fucking mood when I started thinking about astrology earlier. Well, so it, why astrology? <sighs> I don't think we want to start that, do we? We can. I'll talk about it. No. I'll talk about it. I don't it. know. Fucking racism for liberals. Oh, no. I can't. Mm, no. Mm. What? I know that's not the popular opinion on this show. I don't want to. You don't want to? I don't want to. Okay. Racism to. for liberals. Huh? I, d- I Don't look at me. Very I, prevalent in the gay community. I could probably uh, go down I'm this rabbit hole with you community. because I am not. I am more here. I live here. When you nobody can see my hands. When you judge anybody's actions or life decisions on the uh, month that they were born, that's discrimination, and that happens frequently in both comedy and the gay community. Okay, fair, yeah. Um, but for okay, so for those of you that don't, okay, that aren't as old as me, do y'all remember the Guardian Angels? Anybody? This is going to be such a weird episode. It, well, it is. I, some episode we talked about them, but yeah. I do not remember which one. Late 70s, early 80s. I started can't. in New York, I'm fairly certain. I can't Red was satin it? jackets, berets, and they protected. They would ride the subways and walk the streets. And anyway, long story short, because Portland has become a fucking lawless city, our original. And there's only two of them left, and they are women. God fucking bless them. Uh, we've got our own guardian angels, and they're riding our transit system at night. And there's only two of them, and they're recruiting. And so we were just talking that I am really fucking tempted to join. <laughs> so anyway, God, if there's not a fly in here, I'm hallucinating an <laughs> Keep seeing like fluttering right in front of my face. I'm like. God, I'm either having a stroke or I caught a fly. I hate it. Did you, I, did you I already did open your anything? claw? Oh, yeah. There's no ASMR tonight. Sorry, guys. No, I, I did not see a fly. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Could be a fruit fly. They're really small. I do have... No, I threw... Like, when I took out the trash and then and then cleaned out my fridge so that we do have a couple fruit flies right now. Okay. Well, maybe. I mean, I, I'm not close enough to you to 
verify if a fruit fly was in front of your face. Yeah. But well, that we could me, see like, it from the reflection this far, of anyhow. the lights off my glasses. Could have been. That's happened to me before. Thought there was something. There was not. There was not. So today is uh, the day after Halloween. And, All Saints uh, Day. Yeah. Yes. If you listen to our fucking Patreon, you know what today is. Uh, if for Z and I, it is the day after we went trick or treating. And drink fly on my whiteboard. Oh, good. And drink copious amounts of wine. Yes, we did. That's what I we did. Saw that. That's, I saw tr- that. That was our day. I tried to scream Z into watching Coco. <laughs> you did. I've been watching horror movies straight <laughs> for like the last two weeks. Yeah. And last night I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch something that's in the vein of dead people, mm-hmm. um, but not horror. And I didn't want to watch Nightmare Before Christmas because I'm I know I'm gonna watch that at least once in the next month and a half. It's coming up. It's the holiday season. And you know what? I'm just gonna take this opportunity and seize a holiday that has nothing to do with Halloween and watch Coco. Coco does again. though. It's, it's the day it, okay. Los Muertos. It's not I, the same. I get it. It's, it's not even close it's to the same. Totally different. It's in Completely May. I get different. it. I get it. But still, the concept is sort of the same. Mm, Where the ancestors and yeah, All Saints Day. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's the concept is the same. Yeah. It's just in a different fucking month. Because remember, the Pope tried to move it to May. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right, you're right. yeah. Catholics. He tried to move it to fucking May. Fucking Catholic. That's the thread. There it that's is. The Ex- that's thread. what I'm saying. Shit. Yes, it's in May, and the Pope, blah blah blah, Boniface, I think it was maybe, sure. tried to move it to fucking May. And then they're they're like, no, the pagans aren't listening and doing what we want them to do, so we're going to put it back in fucking October to November. But some Catholics were like, yeah, no, fuck it, we're going to keep May. Hence, Dia de los Muertos. Anywho, hi, I'm D. I'm C. That's Randall on the ones and twos, looking up Dia de los Muertos. uh, It's celebrated Halloween through November 2nd. Okay, so. So it's not in May. No, it's not. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo is in May. That's what I was it's thinking the of. Fifth of May. I'm going to blame <laughs> the white claws. Okay. <laughs> it's like we have we try to be factual on this podcast as much as we can. I'm going to at least check the date well, on and this. Sometimes so white claw makes me lie to you, people. Right. So, <laughs> and if I ever know that I'm lying to you, I will tell you. Well, yeah, I tried to scream guilt see into watching Coco last night. Vodka yeah. and white claw makes know, me lie. I know it's very likely never going to happen but like Truly. that movie makes me sob that's why I've i'm not gonna it i can't it's so Here's the thing i good. have seen parts of coco but i've never actually sat and seen it from one end to the other you really should it's great from that, what i've seen but that, i've never so the last 10 minutes will make you cry if they don't you're a soulless monster do you know what there is one movie sometimes when i'm just like I need to cry and I can't because uh-huh. I can't cry. Crying's not my jam. If I need to get some shit out, I watch Steel Magnolias. Interesting. Okay. If I've got to really I've get it out, it. Oh. <sighs> I'll watch it. Okay. We should watch it together. Okay. Can I'm we, fine with crying on a movie. Can we have can we have booze and watch Steel Magnolias? Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited. But here's the thing. <laughs> Yes, but yes. not yes and yes, yes but yes. You've got to convince her to watch Coco. This day shall never come. <laughs> you've seen Steel Magnolias, though. I'm pretty sure we've watched it together. I've seen it hundreds of times. 
Oh my god. It's a great movie. It's so good. Wait, so you'll watch a really sad movie and cry, but not a new one? It's not it's different. Why? It's different. Because this Steel Magnolia's number one relatable character to me. I am Weezer Boudreaux, the you end. You are Weezer the Boudreaux. End. <laughs> end of list. Uh but I've seen it so many times that it doesn't have that like I mean it's still very, very sad. But it's not one of those movies that I will sob every time I watch it. I do. Would it make a difference if the reasons no. Coco make you cry are really happy? No. I don't like crying. It's the cemetery scene with Malin. Oh, yeah. Sally Field. And it, she loses her shit. At and this point, I sob every fucking I really want time. You to watch it. It's really good. It's I a know. Coco is you know good. how I feel about animated. It's just that's the thing. It's like Pixar, Disney, all of any kind of animated Disney movie. Sadness Pixar, sucks. yeah. It all Disney, sa- Disney sadness is bullshit. Pixar I think, sadness. Then I will pick die never watching Coco. <laughs> I will die. I think Pixar is sadder than Disney. Well, here's the thing. They're both sadder and happier. Like that's that's why Coco is so fucking good. They, and all of a sudden he's I like, just Wait, can't. It's you. You're my dad. Grandpa, somebody? I don't fucking remember. Like I said, I've never seen it all the way through. It's a beautiful I've seen bits and pieces. Children's movies make me sob uncontrollably way harder than films for adult people. It just makes me incredibly sad because I I hate being an adult and it makes (laughs) me very depressed. What if I get you really high and hold you while you cry? Well, that just sounds delightful no matter how you spin it. So maybe. Okay. I want to do that too. So we'll sit on my couch. You'll be in the middle. And when it gets to the part that I know you're going to cry, I will make, I will pause the movie. I will make you take a hit. And then we will all just hug for that three minutes that that scene is happening. Oh my God. This is the best plan ever. That does sound nice. It's so good. Absolutely put aside two hours for that. But also, I don't want anybody to look at me when I cry. We won't look at you. I will hug you. We'll wear blindfolds. I don't even care. This is the best plan ever. We'll see. I love that movie that much. What what is the Pixar movie that's made you cry the most that you've seen? Name one, and I will tell you. Up? Because it could, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that one. Hideous. So, crying. Uh, like, at the beginning scene, right? Hit all of it. See, once, like like I said, it's not just animated children's movies. Children's movies in general get me, like, to this day, I still get misty-eyed at the end of The Goonies. Okay. Sloth, you're going to come live with me now. I'm like, shh, no. Don't. Oh, no, that always <laughs> makes me cry. Like, uh-oh. Um, it has made me cry. It just depends on the day. Okay. Uh, the end of... Monster Squad makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe. I haven't watched Monster Squad. Oh, okay. That one's either. great. It's just a really fun movie. Okay. Um, it's like, it's Goonies with Universal Monsters. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's really okay. fucking fun. Uh, so that, that Wait, one. I have watched Monster House. I watched it recently. Not Monster House. Monster Squad. Squad. Different. I have okay. Totally Squad. different. Back on track. Total, but yeah, it's just something about like kids movies just, uh, they hurt. They hurt my feelings. They do. It just makes me, they make me, it's like a melancholy. I mean, I can tell you about the scene and you can decide. Oh, I already know a lot about Coco. I just haven't actually okay. seen it. It's, it's. Um, but, oh, uh, the one movie that physically and emotionally destroyed me in public and I will never watch it again because I can't handle it again. Was it Inside Out? 
well, that one got me. Oh, no. I mean, yes, but not the one I was specifically talking okay. about because I watched Inside Out in the comfort of my bed. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and could I've be as disgusting it. as I wanted. It's, it, uh, it was. What's Richard Kind's character? Uh, I've never seen it. I don't know. Bo- Bo- Bebo. No. No. Um, no, it was Toy Story 3. <sighs> I could not stop crying the scene with when he's playing with his toys for the last time that i'm gonna tell you it was about from what i remember the last like 15 to 20 minutes oh, of the so entire like, movie like, like the dump all the way to the end yeah wally, yeah, wally yeah, gets yeah. me wally gets me. i good. refuse wally gets me. Um, have you not seen wally i refuse Buddy. I, I know it's good i can't my grandson do it. roman's favorite forever it's my favorite picture i can't do it i will tell you this Wally will make you cry far less than Toy Story 3. I mean, that's... It is a beautiful movie, but I it, believe it really doesn't... Is. It is. It's not it's that not I have anything against movie. it. I just don't... My Plus, feelings, Wally is I don't, basically Johnny I don't Five. Wanna, which he's very adorable, and I love that, but I just oh, cannot do it. Can we do Coco and Wally back-to-back while we hold you? You've barely got me with Coco. <laughs> Throwing in another one is not going to... I think we're going to have to go one at a time. Fair. There will have to be food, booze, edibles, oh, weed. Dude, I, don't I will. Know. I will make cream puffs for Cocaine the occasion. Cocaine taffy, I don't know. I'll make cream Cocaine puffs for the taffy. occasion. I will make... what? Do you like chicken parmesan? I make it... Bing Bong <gasps> was his name. And how dare you remind me that that existed. <laughs> <laughs> because God... Damn it! That it, but yes, that oh, that scene broke my heart. Yeah. I I think I actually messaged you but when it happened. That's right, because I, I made sent you watch you, it. Yeah, you made me watch it, and so I sent you. Uh, I think I just sent you a gif of that scene yeah. or something like that. You were like, "Oh, buddy, are you okay?" I was like, no, "Absolutely not. I am not okay." <laughs> but but um, he said chicken parmesan. I heard I it. Will ma- yeah, no, I make bomb chicken parmesan. I believe you. Uh, but yeah, no, Toy Story 3, in okay. the theater, I went with yeah, two of my friends, Oof. and I just, because I still have my childhood teddy bear, oh. and I was watching this movie, and at the very end, you know, like the last 15, 20 minutes, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. there in peril, which was just sad to me on any level anyway, because I'm like, oh no, and then the part because I was like silently crying and usually when I cry I hide my face oh, okay. which I did because I was wearing a sweatshirt I was wearing a hoodie I've, I've, I've seen it she's seen it and then when uh, my friend was with my friend who was, she was my roommate at the time she's like are you crying I'm like no and then <laughs> the scene went like it just it, I couldn't stop I was just silently crying to myself and then as the movie progressed closer to the end the crying got louder couldn't help it <laughs> It was that, like that ugly cry where you're just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm trying not to. So I'm like almost passing out because I'm like holding my breath and sobbing at the same time. And then the end when Andy, is he has got, he's playing with the toys. The that got time. me. No, no. The part that got me, got me like I got, got good uh, okay. <laughs> was when he, he has the box of toys. He's handing them to the little girl and she takes Woody and he snatches it away. And I was like, <gasps> I couldn't it, like the dam broke. I was weeping in the theater in public. Like if I could have laid on the Those floor, fuckers, I would have. Those man. Oh, like, dude, Pixar's relentless. They are. 
hurt what is wrong my with feelings. That? Brilliant writers is yeah, what's wrong with you. Brilliant writers. That day, I vowed. I was like, I cannot do this again. Not just Toy Story 3 in general, because absolutely not just in general. I'm like, I can't do this. It hurt my feelings, and I do not want to wail cry in front of people ever again. I'm going to say this because I know she'll forget by the time I make her watch it, but Toy Story 4 has three moments in the end that will cripple your soul. Now, mind you, I live with a seven and three-year-old. I have seen snippets of all of these things, but I've never sat and watched in an entirety. So, spoilers ahead. Um, The whole movie is... The the story is that um, the new girl that owns the toy, Woody takes her to school. She makes a toy out of a spork and some popsicle sticks. Sporky. Yeah, Yeah, sporky. And then... uh, it's getting sporky under control. It's getting sporky under control, and then Woody finds Bo. Somehow they yep. end up they end up in an antique shop. Finds Bo. They find Bo, and then there's the leader of the antique shop is yes. this old, like essentially porcelain doll, who is just looking for a new voice box so she can be loved by yes. this one particular child. Yes. Woody at the end decides to give her his voice box yes. because he knows that his is basically useless and it will go on to serve a better purpose. <clears throat> she gets it fixed and then they come up with this plan to put her in the perfect spot for this girl to see her and she holds her and this music starts like she's going to it's everything's going to be okay and then the girl just throws it over just her shoulder. Drops her. Yeah. And the look on her face and then Later on, they escape with that doll mm-hmm. to a fair that's across the street. And as they're trying to get back to the RV where the family is that now owns all the toys, uh, Woody and Sporky and somebody else is taking that doll. And they see from the rooftops that they're jumping across that there is a small girl by herself crying, clearly lost. And they go down and they position the doll just in the right place for the girl to see it. And then she sees it and picks it up sobbing and says, are you lost too? And then hugs it. And then the security finds her and like brings her back to her family. She's got this new doll with a voice box. Oh, it's Bo. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they, Bo comes back in the fourth one. Yeah, it's Bo. Yeah. And uh, then... Woody has been talked into becoming a lost toy with Bo, so the last two minutes is them all saying goodbye to Woody. Yeah, it was hateful, and I am mad about it. I, you haven't seen it, though, have you? Yeah, no, I watched it. Oh, you it. did? Oh, yeah, okay. I finally watched it. Okay. It, I could have done without it. It was... Mm, I love no, it so much. It was not my favorite. Uh, though I did personally relate to Forky, which is his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Because when he screams, I'm trash! <laughs> I was like, yes! Same! And also he's vo- uh, voiced by Tony, Tony Hale, Hale, who is... I thought it was John Mulaney for the my longest time. My favorite. Like, my... I just... I love Tony Hale in literally everything yeah. he is in. He hasn't had a bad role. Buster. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Uh, hey, also, brother. my favorite cameo on Community is yes. when Tony Hale is the uh, pottery teacher. Yep. So fucking love God, Tony I Hale, dude. Come for you. <laughs> it's a bird. My, it walked on my pillow. It's like God water. damn it. But with a smack of ham to it. <laughs> mm. Oh, hot ham water. Oh, fuck. Well, hey. Um, do Don't we have- ask. Let's talk about more stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do. Do we have backhoes? Yep. 
Because I, I got to pee soon. Um, okay. yes. And I think I go first. You do. Then I go do. pee. All right. Well, I need to know what our backhoes are first. <laughs> sure, Drink if you want claw. to. It's done. It's out. Oh, you're out of claw. I've, yep. Uh, hang Sucks on. Now I have to down. find them because I do have them on here. You're wrong about Toy Story 4. That movie was brilliant. I'm not, I think I claw just needs to like promote it. us now. I just did not care for it. No, I was uh, Nope, that's not it. I know they're on here somewhere. I just... A lot of people posted their uh, their oob names. Oh! oh so there were some oob names. They are yes, they were. so good. Um, this is just taking an eternity to find... Oh, okay. Here we go. Did you like Soul? You watched Soul? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that was really good. Soul is amazing. Um, okay, so... It's, not the, it's the latest Pixar movie, or second uh, latest. Yeah, so... Ooh, I'm going to have to figure out how to say this one. I really want to get together, eat chicken parmesan, drink copious amount of booze, and watch sad movies. I don't think I... We're going to make really that happen. Do. Honestly, I want to do that. That guys, sounds like so much not fun. We're doing that this month. Yes. Sad November. All right, we are doing that this month. <laughs> Sad November. In fact, I'm going to call it now. Call it. We're going to do it. We'll do it after a Patreon. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I love chicken parmesan. Let's record the Patreon on the 21st, and after we're done, I will cook you guys dinner, and we will watch Coco. Yes! I am in. Chicken parmesan. Yes. As much weed and booze as you want. Yeah. And we will hold you while you cry. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do this. It's happening. It's um, gonna, oh, it's, gonna... it's crapping. <laughs> it is 100% crapping. Do you want to you hear this? I do. Okay, good. I do. <laughs> so, so if anybody's <laughs> wondered, I've had a couple cocktails. Do go. Really? Yeah, I, uh, I have. Do go. Oom boober. <laughs> Joob doob. Poops. Joobin. <laughs> Uh, that's Amber Jade, and she says, my name sounds like some sort of VD medication, and you're right, it does. Did you give that one another shot? No, I don't think I could if I tried, because I got a whole bunch more to try and read. Do go! Uh, <laughs> Stoobvooby, or Stoobvooboob, which is wonderful. Uh, Who is it? Uh, Solaria. Oh, yes. And then... <laughs> This is good. Noob Kubloob. Fubloobs. It's Nicole. Oh, God damn it. This one is. Okay. Oh, boy. This sounds like a spell that will summon a demon. It might. Um, Let's see what happens. Ubloob Zooboobs. Noob Poobooboob. Scoop. God damn it. Who is it? Who is it? It's Elizabeth or Liz. Oh, uh, shit. Fuck. Fuck. Tooby Luber. Mooboob <laughs> Doobin. Sooboob Noob Spoob Coober. Who is it? Uh, well, there was a few of them. There was Taylor, Sabina, and then this, I think, the last one. Shit. Uh, Doob Soob Rooboob. <laughs> Is Desiree. 
And she said, there I go laughing like a rabbit squirrel on the bus again. <laughs> oh, my God. Which, oh, guys, please keep oh, submitting please send those. More of these. Those are really so fucking fun. good. Uh, and then we got a message from Melissa on Patreon. Hello, uh, Melissa on Patreon. She says, I love my fuck you, Bob sticker, and all the yes. others as well. It brings me joy. You guys are the greatest and make my week bright. I have almost peed myself multiple times at work while listening to the backlog of episodes. Y'all are great. Nice. Yay, thank Thanks. you. And then what Thanks, else? Melissa. Somebody posted a photo of. Oh, a photo. A photo. A photo. Of, a photo. Uh, it is a vibrator, oh. but it is also an urn. So you can place your loved one's ashes inside of your vibrator. And then fuck yourself with your dead loved one. Yeah. Huh. I um. So I think they said something along the lines of, Gwyneth, is that you? <laughs> uh, which, speaking of Gwyneth Paltrow, I am furious. As you should be. And I, you know what? I said it once. I was like, what if? So furious. What if? What if? Gwyneth is actually fucking clever and I mean, funny and doesn't give a fuck about any of these people and she's doing all of this shit because it's fucking funny. I would respect that. And then I was like, nah, she's not that clever. But fuck me, dude. It's she entirely might be. possible, but also even she if she be. told us, we'd have to sign a non-disclosure. Sure we'd never it, be able to tell her. After seeing that photo, I was like, she might I've already be. posted the photo, but it was a, a Halloween Fierce. costume of it's Gwyneth Paltrow's past. And it's not it's not recent. I don't know how old it yeah. is, but she is wearing a delivery box on her head. And if you've ever seen the movie Saw Seven. Yep. Seven. I don't know why I was thinking of Saw. Like, I mean I don't know. I don't know. Seven. Uh her head is in a box at the end of the movie. What's in the box? What's in the box? Gwyneth Paltrow's head. And I'm so mad at how clever that was. It I'm was really furious. clever and it's infuriating because I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I'm so mad. What if I was right? What if she's actually fucking clever? So before we sign an NDA, just know that if we ever come back and say, Gwyneth Paltrow's the fucking best, buy on Goop. You'll know. Uh, uh, There's one of two things. One, we've been sued. Yeah. Or two... (laughs) (laughs) We've received a cease and desist. (laughs) We've received a cease and desist or... She you is? can't say that shit right when I take a drink, dude. I almost spit that all <laughs> over the goddamn mic. Thank you for not doing that. Oh. Uh, or she is dope, yeah. and we have been flipped because yeah. it's the most brilliant. I know, that's right? Ever happened. Here's the thing: the vagina and orgasm candles. Like, I get it. That shit's hilarious. But I was like, there is no way Gwyneth is that clever based on all the other bullshit on Goop. Yeah, she peddles a lot of nonsense. So anyway, all right. Say fifty-fifty, uh, and then oh, just I will never stop being mad about that. Uh, then we have a message from Devin on Instagram. <gasps> yes, Devin. Uh, I just re-listened to the Dean Coral episode oh. from last year. Doing some math in my head, my dad's parents used to buy candy from the Coral candy shop, but my mom's father was an HPD motorcycle officer during the period of time that Coral was on his rampage. My grandfather actually was working by the Heights area while Coral was active, and my grandfather was trying to help with the missing children cases by watching out for kids while he was working. Whoa. And I said, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, it was freaking weird talking to my grandmother about those cases. Uh, and she remembers that one. She remembers that one. And the Pixie Sticks man, we couldn't remember his name then, which is Ronald O'Brien. Right. But yeah, I was 
right, like, right, right. what the fuck? That's fucking wild, dude. That's nuts. So thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. Um, and one last thing, as we mentioned in last week's episode, our DNA expert was one of the co-leads on solving uh, the identity of John Wayne Gacy's victim number five. There was a press conference. She was there. She did not speak, but she was there. Um, and the victim now has a name. Yes. And it is... Francis Wayne Alexander. From North Carolina. Uh, He went by Wayne. He was from North Carolina. He was 21 or 22 years old uh, when he died. Uh, The family just kind of, they had lost touch with him a little bit. And they just thought that he was off living his life. They had no idea what happened to him. Yep. But they found out now. Yep. And that is really fucking unfortunate. However... Um, it is, again, why, why we do, we tout the DNA Doe Project mm-hmm. so much is the fact that people like him, they get their names back. Yep. They get their identities back. Their families get closure. Or even if they don't get closure, they know what happened. Yeah. They know where their person went. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's, for, for me personally, it's... The thought of, with with all the does out there, that that's somebody's child. They mm-hmm. have a name. They have a hit. They have a past. They have a. They had a life, and nobody knows what it was. And that is just so. I don't even know what the word is. It is disturbing to me personally. So, yep. anytime a doe gets their name back, I just that's a fucking win. One hundred percent. But yeah, go pee, I guess. <clears throat> no, I got this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to power through. Are you sure? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Mine, uh, mine is long. Or my long, mine is longer. Well, I can do mine, and then I can go pee, and then you can go. And okay. Then, yeah. So, I go first today. Get it fucking done. I'm, I'm fucking about to. I'm, I'm waiting. Let me, well, I'm going to hit this claw first. Oh, yeah? Yep, I'm going to hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Somebody just went watching TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't checked my TikTok in a while, and I came back to, like, 79 notifications. From me? Guess how many were videos sent from 75. Oh, close. Yeah. It's close. (laughs) It was a lot. It was a lot. I was like, oh. See, now that I know that you're going first and you have to pee, I'm going to try and make you laugh as much as I can. Do it. This is your chair, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking fair. That's a good point. Fair point. All right. I've All been, right. So I've been gotten. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So today I'm going to talk about the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. Anyone? Who dat? Well, I'm going to tell you. So Dorothy Jane Scott, born April 23rd, 1948, was a single mom in 1980. She was living in Stanton, California with her aunt and four-year-old son, Sean. She was 32 years old, had a good job as a secretary for two jointly owned Anaheim head shops. Co-workers and friends all shared that she was a homebody, a devoted Christian, didn't drink, do drugs. Friends actually described Scott as a church-going woman, loving and dull as a phone book, if they were being brutally honest. Oh. Right. 
Dorothy's parents, who lived in Anaheim, babysat their grandson while Dorothy worked. Her father, Jacob, would later say that his daughter may have dated on occasion, but had no steady boyfriend as far as the family was aware. Things for Dorothy were all seemingly normal. Normal. Okay. Seemingly normal and actually pretty quite fucking dull until they weren't. It all started with a few strange phone calls. Several months before Dorothy went missing in May of 1980, she had been receiving some eerie phone calls at work from an unknown man. The caller confessed his love for her and then would tell her his plan to murder her. No, thank you. The man on the other line seemed to know Dorothy's schedule and her every fucking move. I hate it. Dorothy's mother later reported one day he called and said go outside because that he had something for her. She went out there and there was a single dead rose on the windshield of her car. The caller would often swing between being friendly, though a little bit obsessive, to violent and fucking angry. It quickly became clear to Dorothy that she had a very devoted stalker. And there was one call in particular that scared her even more. One day he called and said that he would get her alone, cut her up into bits so that no one would ever find her. He also told her exactly what she was wearing that day. No. Right. So here's the thing, though. Dorothy once said that the voice sounded like someone she knew. The caller, however, revealed never revealed their name, fake name or otherwise, and Scott was never able to identify them. However, she always knew she knew the voice, or so she thought. Unfortunately, she'd never get the chance, and no one else would either, to identify her caller. Dorothy wasn't sure what to do. She thought about getting a gun for protection, but decided against it because she was more of a hippie and worried that her son might get a hold of the gun. So instead, she began taking karate and self-defense classes. Awesome. Uh, I like to hope that she was able to use at least some of her skills in the end. And the gun actually may have ended up being the better choice because here's where it gets worse. Ugh. On May 27th, 1980, Dorothy dropped Sean off at her parents' house and headed to a company meeting. While there, she noticed her co-worker Conrad Bostron was fidgeting, seemingly in pain. His arm looked not quite right and very swollen. Concerned, Dorothy convinced him to go to the emergency room and asked her other co-worker Pam Head to go with them. So they all headed to the emergency room at UC Irvine Medical Center. When they got to the hospital, they'd found that Conrad had been bitten by a black widow spider and the bite had become infected. Oh, no. Hence the arm issue. So Boston was being treated while Dorothy and Pam sat in the waiting room. Pam would later, later say in a statement that Dorothy never left her side. Conrad was released around 11 p.m. and was given a prescription. Dorothy said she'd go grab the car and bring it to the ER entrance while Conrad, uh, well, so Conrad wouldn't have to walk so far, far while, uh, while Pam would later say that Dorothy used the restroom shortly before heading out to the parking lot. Meanwhile, she and Conrad would fill his prescription. So after the prescription was filled, they headed to the front and waited for Dorothy. 
And after several minutes, she didn't show. They thought maybe there was somehow a misunderstanding. So the pair went to the parking lot to find Dorothy. As Pam and Conrad were walking towards where the car had been parked, they saw headlights coming toward them a little too fast. Mm -hmm. They realized it was Dorothy's car. They waved like, hello, here the fuck we are. But the car did not slow down. It was dark, so they couldn't see past the headlights. And the car sped past them, took a sharp turn out the parking lot, and took the fuck off. At first, Pam and Conrad thought maybe there had been an emergency of some sort with Dorothy's son. Maybe that she had called to check on him before grabbing the car, but not being able to contact her for several hours. They reported Dorothy missing at almost 4.30 a.m. on May 29th. Dorothy's car was found burning in an alley about 10 miles from the hospital a few hours later, and she was nowhere to be found. About a week after her disappearance, Scott's mother, Vera, got a call at their residence. When she answered, a male voice on the other end asked if she was related to Dorothy Scott. When she said yes, that she was, this caller simply said, I've got her, and hung up. Oh. The family panicked, contacted the media, the police, and tried to figure out who the hell the caller was, but there was no success. Another week went by, and on the day the Santa Ana Register ran a story about the case, Dorothy's mother got a call from the mysterious caller again. This time, he had a little bit more to say. Hmm. He said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. The caller also went out of his way to give specific details on what Dorothy was wearing as well as what she was doing at the hospital on the night she disappeared. Even though she'd only been away from the others briefly, he seemed to know everything about her every move that evening. Although police quickly targeted the caller as a suspect, fucking duh, they were unable to find out more about him and... To make it even creepier, the calls would mostly come in to Vera when she was home alone. Uh -uh. She would, however, not be the only person that he would call. An unidentified man called the front desk at the Orange County Register after the paper had released a story on the missing Dorothy Scott. A managing editor, editor, yes, editor, shared with the police that a man called and said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her, which is the exact same statement that he made to Vera Scott. The editor also told the authorities that the caller knew that Conrad Bostron had suffered from a spider bite on the night of May 28th, which was actually never mentioned in the published story. Mm. Authorities believed that the caller was Obviously the same one harassing the Scott family and the same person who would have killed Dorothy Scott. Scott's murderer continued calling her parents weekly for four years. Oh, no, thank you. After her disappearance. The authorities tapped the Scott's phone, but the calls were never long enough to track. Even in those brief calls, the killer still managed to constantly torment the family. He would sometimes tell them that he had her. Or sometimes he'd say that he killed her or that she was being tortured and held captive. This happened nearly every Wednesday for four fucking years. No. 
every time he had the same disguised voice and no one would recognize it. The calls did stop, however, when Vera's, Vera, her father and Dorothy's, wait, no, Vera's husband and Dorothy's father, Jacob, thank you, finally decided to answer the phone rather than Vera. After that, the stalker quit calling. Then, four years later, on August 6, 1984, construction workers in North Anaheim discovered a bizarre set of bones on their work site. Some of the bones turned out to be animal bones, but some of them were not. When the police were brought in, they discovered a watch that had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29, 1980, which is the same day that Dorothy had gone missing. There was also a turquoise ring, which Vera Scott was able to identify as belonging to her daughter. A week later, the results came back that the remains found were indeed those of Dorothy Scott, finally found 10 miles from where her car had been located burning. And as for the dog bones, well, Dorothy's remains were found buried beneath the body of a dog. And I'm sure since y'all listen to the show, you know why. And if you don't, I'm finna tell ya. In order to trick police dogs, people looking to hide bodies will bury them under the body of a dog or another large animal, causing what the police see as a false positive. So the dog will find it, the police will dig, they find the animal carcass, and then like, yep, nope, we're good, it's just a dog, and then they move the fuck on. All the while, the murder victim is underneath, undisturbed. I mean, that's how I'd do it. <clears throat> Just throw some plants on top that are protected. Just, anyway, um, the killer likely knew this and went out of his way to try to hide Dorothy's body. When it was released that she had been found, Dorothy's killer called the Scott home two more times, simply asking if Dorothy was home before hanging up, and then he never called again. I don't like that. So what the fuck? Investigators had jack shit to go on, and unfortunately, Dorothy's case went cold. However, there is one strong theory which has been floating around the interwebs for quite some time. As Dorothy's At Dorothy's place of employment, there was a man who sometimes came in. His name was Mike Butler. His sister also worked at the shop with Dorothy, and he had become obsessed with her, so this should seem like a fucking no-brainer. Dude's obsessed with Dorothy. Like, why was this not pursued in the beginning? He lived in the nearby mountains, and it was rumored that he was an unstable individual and, oh, my page flipped over, and perhaps involved with cult activities, because why? Satanic panic. Early 80s. Yep. Of course. So, Dorothy's son, Shane, believed that this man is and was the stalker and killer of his mother. Butler had also met Jacob Scott, Dorothy's father, before, so it's theorized that when Jacob started to answer the phone, Butler wouldn't say anything and stop calling, afraid that Jacob would recognize his voice. He also had the opportunity to follow her and know her schedule because it exactly linked up with his sister's schedule. And he would have the excuse to be in the area because of her. 
Unfortunately, there is no hard evidence to back up Sean's theory, and his own father was suspected for a time as well, but he had an airtight alibi and was not investigated any further. In a strange twist, in July of 1982, only two years after Dorothy Scott vanished, a woman named Patricia Schneider also went missing. She made a call saying her car had had broken down, and then she fucking vanished. Her car was found a few hours later, on fire, in a field, just as Dorothy Scott's had been found. There was no sign of Schneider at all at the scene, and was instantly suspected uh, that she had been kidnapped, perhaps by the same person who took Scott. However, there was one major difference in the case— to the best of anyone's knowledge, Schneider never received any threatening or stalkerish phone calls, which doesn't quite match, but it doesn't necessarily rule anything out either. Patricia's disappearance has also never been solved. Hmm. That is the case of the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. Right in my hometown, too. Yeah. I'm from like 15 minutes north of there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my sources are Ranker, Laura Allen. UnsolvedMysteries.Fandom.com. However, this case's original air date is unknown, and there are conflicting reports on whether or not the story was actually on Unsolved Mysteries. Huh. Um, FilmDaily.co, Elizabeth Rios, and many a wiki. Nice. Yeah. I... I feel like I've heard of that one before, but I can't remember where I heard about it. It's a good one. I think maybe the murder squad. It's a it's a fucking good one, yeah. Yeah, like what the hell? I don't know. I think it's a no brainer though. I think it was that dude, one hundred. Scott. What was his name? Uh, his name was something Butler. <laughs> something but Mike Butler. Mike Butler. I mean, yeah, it, there. But I would think that if there was any really hard evidence. It must all be circumstantial, but it fits. His sister worked there. He was obsessed with Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Dorothy's schedule matched his sister's schedule. Like, it's... I don't know. I'm I'm really curious why that never got any further, but... Yeah. All, the, all it said was there was no hard evidence, so they couldn't do shit. It seems pretty fucking obvious to me, but... Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, never know. I can't fucking stop. I can't either. Son of a bitch. Son of a nutcracker. I'm gonna go pay. No. No, but I'm gonna go pay. I'm gonna go pay. Okay. I was stretching. I couldn't say anything because words would have been real weird. <laughs> real, real weird. Oh. I have a bitch. next week. Right? We're done. That's the end of this episode. I am too sleepy. Fuck, I'm so tired. Yeah. It's really, really icky weather here too. So yeah. that doesn't that doesn't help. It just makes me want to be in bed. Yeah, and I want to make food and probably do stuff downstairs. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't either. I don't like it. For, I don't want to have to wake up tomorrow for work. Well, luckily, I oh god, 
<sighs> For Westerners. Yep, there you go. <laughs> you bastard. I have another podcast called Anytime Now, which is a kid's history podcast, yeah. uh, of which Z has done voices for me and is going to do more voices for me. I am. And we're going to do it tonight. But I did not go through and write down any of the lines. Oh, thank God. So we'll do it later this week or Monday next week. Yeah. I'm available. I, for a split second, thought you were just fucking dirty. (laughs) From the waist down. Did you think I had no pants on? Well, no, you walked in and I was like, what did you do? Just went outside and rolled around in the dirt. You're bleeding, but you're also like slimy. (laughs) My my tie-dye sweats are throwing you for a fucking loop. Fuck. No, you're probably clean. (laughs) I'm very clean. Thank you. All right. Now it's it's my turn. I might have to step out because I'm getting put to sleep by people reading to me. That's. I know. I'm going to put myself to sleep in a second. Uh, but yeah, this week's story, I gotta tell you, it's all bad. Oh, all it? of it. Uh, there's not a ton of information since it's coming out of Russia. And, um, well, you'll see why there's not a ton. Oh, yeah. I forgot your story is out of Russia. It is out of she Russia. I told that last night, I did. but there was wine. Yeah. That's all I said. It's out of uh, Russia, and it's a murder. So uh, grab some popcorn, a blankie, whatever you need to make oh yourself God. feel You've okay. Got like eight pages. I over do. There. Uh, dun, dun, dun! Because today I'm going to tell you all about Mikhail Popkov, the werewolf killer. Oh fuck! Hold on to your butts. Oh no! I'll be back. Okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm currently holding on to my bed. I'm gonna fall asleep. I need Good. to step out for a minute. Yeah, you don't want to fall asleep during this because you might have nightmares. Well, no. <laughs> I'm just gonna hold on to my butt. I'm yes. hard as fuck, boy. I don't know. Hard as fuck, boy. So <laughs> hard same. <laughs> All right. Mikhail Viktorovich Popkov was born in Russia on March 7th, 1964. If he were here, he would tell us that was someone's birthday. Um, uh, There aren't many details known about his early life, but what I could find, he grew up with his abusive alcoholic mother, Antonina. Uh, Sometime in the 80s, he married his wife, Elena, and they had a daughter, Ekaterina, who goes by Katya. Uh, He spent many years working as a police officer in Siberia's Irkutsk region, Uh um, eventually becoming a sergeant, some reports say second lieutenant, uh, and that was in the 90s. Uh, Later, he worked as a security guard for private companies and the Angarsk Oil and Chemical Company. There it is. He was a cop. Which is why there is also not a ton of information out there about his case. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially in Russia. Yeah. And this is definitely going to play into what happens next. So let's all hate that together. Um, <laughs> let's do that. Following his arrest, Popkov was interviewed and he shared that I was in the service, in the police, having positive feedback on my work. I never thought of myself as mentally unhealthy. During my police service, I regularly passed medical commissions and was recognized as fit. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Fit how? Uh, mentally and, and physically. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm fit. Yep. 
Uh, A former colleague named Dimitri said that when I read about him in the press, I literally choked because I used to work with him and thought I knew him. He was an absolutely normal man. He liked biathlons. Once on duty, he shot a rapist during an arrest. There was an investigation and he was not punished. The chiefs considered he had taken fair action. Okay. Uh, Nikolai, another former work friend, said, I used to work closely with him for five years. He knew lots of jokes and stories and could be the soul of the party. Jokes on jokes on jokes. So how did this seemingly normal family man turn into one of Russia's most violent and brutal serial killers? Uh, The man himself claims that he started killing after believing his wife was having an affair. Uh, his suspicion started when he found two used condoms in the trash can. Ruh-roh. Uh, but they had allegedly belonged to some recent house guests. No. However, Popkov's... Yeah. They okay. had people over. She's like, oh, yeah, no. It was those guys. Uh, they were banging it out. Uh, Popkov's suspicions were right, and his wife was having an affair with Ruh-roh. a co-worker named Alexei Mulyavin. Uh, he publicly admitted the affair in a 2017 interview saying, I do not like to talk about this. He did not catch us red-handed, but he learned about it. You know, it was a very short affair. We were young, and probably everyone has love affairs at work. No. Uh, no. No, I don't. Not really, Alexei, no. but that's no. that's fine. Um, no. Not every no. It was rumored that Elena had told her husband about the affair, and he nearly choked her to death, but stopped when their daughter came into the room. Uh, He wouldn't elaborate on whether or not that was true, but did say, um, I just had some reasons to suspect her. I'm not looking for excuses, but this was the impetu for my future. If I had seen the treason with my own eyes, I would perhaps have done everything differently. Everyone goes through such things differently. Some take it easily and forget. Others take it painfully. What happened to me? The worst case scenario. Dun, dun, dun. Now... Remember when I said there's not a ton of information on this case? Yes. It's largely because of the Russian government not releasing a whole lot of it. Uh, and due to the sheer number of victims that are still getting identified. Oh, shit. I wish I had a complete list of names for you, but I don't because it doesn't exist yet. Uh-oh. Hopefully. Uh, There are a few victims that have been identified, so I'll definitely be mentioning them. I just wanted to let y'all know that this is technically still an ongoing case because Popkov is still revealing more murders. Holy fuck. What year did this start? Uh, The 90s. Oh, no. Yep. Um, So before I go into detail about it, let's go back to the beginning or as close to it as we can get. According to Popkov, his first murder was completely spontaneous, uh, with him saying, I just felt I wanted to kill a woman I was giving a lift to in my car. No. So she got in his car and he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill her. No, that's Um, how this works, guy. He would elaborate a little bit later on saying, I was in uniform. Um, I decided to stop and give a woman a ride. I frequently did that before. The woman began talking to me. I offered to give her a lift. She agreed. That same morning... I drove the head of the criminal investigation to the murder scene. <laughs> oh. Yep. So... Here, let me drive you to my murder scene. Yeah. Savage. Um, between 1992 and 2010, Popkov would become Russia's most prolific serial killer. Uh, he'd put on his uniform and park near bars or clubs and targeted women that seemed a little intoxicated... 
uh, when they left whatever concert or bar around closing time. Uh, they were all between 16 and 40 years old, shorter in height, and quote-unquote fuller-figured, uh, leading some people to think he was sign- uh, singling out women that reminded him of his mother. Uh, psychiatrist Alexander Grishin would share his thoughts on the theory, saying, The fact that only drunk women attracted him could be the result of his childhood problems and associations. His mother used to drink alcohol and often abused him. Maybe in his childhood, other drunk women abused him too, and all this affected his behavior later in his adult life and led to such horrible consequences. As for the whole Bundy-esque victim profiling of killing women that resembled Popkov's mother, pure speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the predator he is, Popkov made sure to target women that were either alone or with another woman. When they'd leave, he would approach them, offer them a ride home, and coming from a uniformed police police officer, most of the women assumed they'd be safe and accepted. This was his go-to method of getting women to go with him, and it's been reported that he'd tell his potential or future victims that they should accept a ride with him, considering there was a rapist and murderer on the prowl. I hate him. He was like, hey, you should definitely take a ride with me because I'm a cop and it's safe and there's a maniac out here. Just kidding, you're in my car. I'm the maniac. Surprise. That is so fucked up. Yeah, and he wouldn't kill every woman he gave a ride to. Sometimes he would take them home and like carry their bags up back to their apartment for them. And then other times. Yeah. He, he came up with his own name. First, he called himself the cleaner, but I will come. But that's like Kemper, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. No, there's a really bad mm-hmm. guy out here. Mm-hmm. Let me drive you around. And the only thing that kept any woman safe that Kemper picked up was the fact that they brought up the murderer. Yep. That didn't matter to this one, though. It's just so bizarre. Because like, he brought it up himself. But, right? But could you imagine just, like, being in the car with this fucking murderer and talking about the murders with the murderer and not knowing until he either kills you or he doesn't and then and gets you find out later? later? Yep. Right? Exactly. So once they got into his car, he'd drive out to a remote area where he would force them to undress before he raped them and killed them. He didn't use one specific weapon to kill his victims and, in fact, stole weapons from the evidence locker at work. Uh, some weapons that he used included a bat, a screwdriver, an awl, an axe, and a knife. Uh, he would later tell investigators about his me- his method, saying, The choice of weapons for killing was always casual. I never prepared beforehand to commit a murder. I could use any object that was in the car, a knife, an axe, a bat. I never used rope for strangulation, but I- and I did not have a firearm either. I wow. did not cut out the hearts of the victims. Gonna beg to differ on that last claim, buddy, because evidence suggests you absolutely did. Uh, It said that he cut the heart out of at least one woman and decapitated at least one other. Uh, After raping, torturing, and murdering these women, he would wipe down the weapons, removing his fingerprints, and then dump both the weapon and the women's bodies in a remote area. Uh, Initially, the police called their suspect the Wednesday Killer because quite a few bodies were found on Wednesdays. Interesting. Uh, he would also be known as the Angarsk Maniac and the Werewolf, which I will explain in a bit. Okay. Um, and again, he called himself the Cleaner 
which I will kind of explain a little bit later, but it is just annoying more than anything. So during his eventual trial, a prosecutor shared that he clearly loved killing. Some victims had 145 or even 170 knife wounds. That is too fucking many. He said that he felt satisfied when he felt their pain as they were stabbed. And here's why he called himself the cleanser, because he allegedly believed that he was cleansing the streets of sex workers and Uh. impure women. And during his testimony, he revealed that he decided who to kill after having sex with them, saying the victims were those who, unaccompanied by men at night, without a certain purpose, were on the streets, behaving carelessly, who were not afraid to enter into conversation with me, get into my car, and then go for a drive in search of adventures. Uh, for the sake of entertainment, ready to drink alcohol, and have sexual intercourse with me. Not all women became victims, but those of a certain negative behavior, I had a desire to teach and punish them, so that others would not behave in such a way, and so that they would be afraid. They abandoned their husbands and their children at home, and went out to party as if it was the last day on earth. Bullshit reasoning aside... Bullshit! There is also no evidence that his victims were sex workers. He's just determining and deciding based upon their appearance. Ah, yeah. Yeah, he he said that he was cleansed, and this is his quote, cleansing the streets of prostitutes, which... um, Based on his own fucking opinion. On his own assumptions. Because there is no proof that any of them were. Wow. Um, So, like I mentioned earlier, not all of his victims have been identified, but let's discuss the handful of women that are known victims of Mikhail Popkov. Uh, On October 29th... I need to look him up. I want to see his face. He looks exactly like you think he does. Uh, On October 29th, 1998, the bodies of 19-year-old Yulia Kuprakova and 20-year-old Tatiana Martinova who went by Tanya, Uh, they were found by a shepherd on the side of the road in Angarsk. In an interview, Tanya Martinova's sister Victoria shared what the horrifying incident was like for her family. Uh, She said, It happened 15 years ago, but the pain does not go away. It was me who presented Tanya with a ticket to go to a concert, and she was killed after attending it. She continued on saying that Igor, her brother-in-law, had called her the morning after the concert to see if she knew where Tanya was because she still hadn't come home. Uh, Victoria and Igor were both incredibly worried since this was completely out of character for Tanya. She was a devoted mother to her young child and would never just up and leave. Oh, fuck. Yep. Victoria shared, I got truly scared. It was the first time she had never done this before. There were no mobile phones at the time. We could only call Yulia's parents, thinking Tanya must have stayed overnight there for some reason. But Yulia's parents said that she had not come home either. So Victoria and Igor went to the police to file a missing persons report and were told they had to wait 72 hours to report both Tanya and Yulia as missing. Uh, She continued the story, saying, It was 1 a.m. when Tanya's husband, Igor, and I came to the police. We did not tell our mother yet. Igor was absolutely devastated and only repeated, She was killed. She was killed. I was shocked, too, but I simply could not believe it and replied, What are you talking about? Later, we were both, or later, we were told that their bodies were found next to each other. Both girls were raped, cut, and chopped. The experts told us that they first, or that at first they were killed then raped they were killed 
raped. than raped. Which brings us back to... It's never great. Necrophilia, my friends. It's never great. It is never great. Uh, and this is still Victoria's um, quote. My elder brother Oleg went to the morgue to identify Tanya. He had flown from Moscow immediately. He felt sick when he saw the body. She was so mutilated. He was almost green when he came out of there. He just could not say a word. I did not dare to go in and look. They eventually found out that both women had gone to a bar with some friends after their concert and accepted a ride home with a police officer. Only the fact that this bastard was in a police uniform explains why Tanya got into his car. Many people attended Tanya's funeral. It felt as though the whole town was there. Our poor mother lost her consciousness several times. She needed a lot of medicine to cope. Igor was in almost the same condition. Tanya's coffin was open. Her face was not hurt. He damaged the back of her skull and her body was heavily cut. Yulia's coffin was closed. Her face was cut up and disfigured. And that's why he was dubbed the werewolf, because his victims looked as if they'd been ripped apart by one. Oh, fuck. Yeah, no, he, I looked at his face. I was like, Ugh. yeah, he's, ex- you know, you're right. He, he looks exactly, exactly like think he what would. I expected him to look like. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> like he's going to look exactly what you think. Yep. No, yep. sure. Um, after Popkov's arrest, Victoria saw him on the news and realized that she'd met him before. Uh, they'd been part of the same biathlon. She said, I was stuck with horror when I saw the picture of this maniac in the paper and online. My sister's killer was looking into my eyes. I immediately felt as if I'd met him. Looking at him, I could hardly breathe. Some minutes later, I looked at him another time and thought, oh my god, I know him. I was so shocked, I even took a knife and cut his face in the newspaper. I needed to let this horror out of me. I remember him as a tall, slim man. He was always alone, with a slippery and shifty glance. I think such people just must not live. This beast took the life of my sister, who had so many happy years in front of her. I cried a lot that day, but it is time to be quiet and just wait. He will be punished by law, and criminals in jail will punish him too. I am sure he will pay for all the murders one day. Um, Another victim is 20-year-old Maria Molotkova, who worked at an Angarsk water pumping station at the time of her death. She went missing in August, uh, it was August 17th, 1999, and her body was discovered in the forest an undisclosed amount of time later. Uh, A few days before Maria was murdered, the body of a decapitated woman was found stuffed into a garbage can in Angarsk. She had also been stabbed six times. Yikes. Uh, Her head was found in another garbage can in another district. Uh, While she hasn't been named publicly, at least that I could find, it was released that she had been a medical student. In June of 2000, friends Lilia Pash... Oh, God. <clears throat> oh, get it. Get it. Lilia Pashkovskaya, yes. who was 37, and Marina Legina, 35, they had gone out for drinks and decided to walk home from the bar instead of getting a cab. Uh, it was around midnight when they were picked up by Popkov. A few days later, both of their bodies were found in a forest near Veraskova village. Marina was the mother of a 14-year-old daughter, Mm. and Lilia had a 12-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old son. When they were buried on June 8th, their families weren't able to follow the Russian tradition of having an open casket at the graveside for everyone to say goodbye, because they had been so viciously and brutally mutilated. They had to have closed casket funerals. Uh, He actually returned to where he dumped their bodies because he'd lost a necklace with a police identity token on it. Uh, He said, I realized that I lost it in a forest glade when I killed two women. I realized that I would absolutely be identified by the lost token 
and um, experienced the greatest stress. I realized that I should return to the scene of the crime uh, if the police or the prosecutor's office did not do so yet. Uh, He found the necklace almost immediately, but was shocked to find that one of the women was still alive. He said, I was again shocked by the fact that she was alive. I finished her with a shovel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Another of his victims was actually a music teacher at his daughter Katya's school. When asked, he said her corpse was found in the forest along with the body of another woman. My daughter asked me to give her money as the school was collecting to organize funerals. I gave it to her. So he killed this woman. And then, uh, then chipped in yeah, for her funeral. For her fucking funeral. Uh, three of his victims are said to have survived but died in the hospital later. One officer shared that in one case, when the uh, in one case when the victim was sober, she was not raped. She was first strangled with a scarf and then stabbed after she was dead. Uh, like many other serial killers, Popkov was nearly caught when one of his intended murder victims survived. In the winter of 1998, Svetlana M. Uh, was only 17 years old. She had been walking home from a friend's house late one freezing cold evening when a police cruiser pulled over and asked her if she'd like a ride home. And thinking it's a cop. I'm safe. Why wouldn't you feel safe? Yeah. So she recalled the moment saying, I thought it's safe to go with the policeman. I was so cold from head to toes, so I accepted. He drove past her house. She asked him where he was taking her. The next thing she remembers is Popkov repeatedly slamming her head against a tree, which she said seemed to, quote-unquote, go on for an eternity. Uh, in an interview, she detailed what little she could remember of that night, saying, I was shaking. He wanted to rape me. He was mute. He didn't respond to anything. He said yeah. nothing. I crawled out from under him and ran into his car. I was hoping to find car keys there, but failed. He caught me, and I tripped down some steps. She managed to make it to the road, but the only people she found refused to help her and left her there. Uh, Popkov chased her down in his car, attacked her again, and left her naked body in the snow. The next I knew, I woke up in a morgue. I woke up, sat down, and spotted a label on the toe of a corpse next to me. I whispered, oh, mother, and felt faint again. I woke up in a hospital later. Oh, man. Woke up next in the morgue next to a corpse. 17. Uh, Her mother eventually found her, uh, despite the hospital claiming she was a 25-year-old Jane Doe. She is not. She is certainly not. (laughs) Uh, During the brutal attack, Popkov yanked out half of the hair on Svetlana's head. (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. When it grew back months later, it had turned gray. Um, she was also paralyzed on one side of her body, though I'm not sure if that was temporary or permanent. Fuck. His attack aged me by seven years. My brain was damaged. I was frostbitten. I was forced to take medication for syphilis. I was a virgin before he attacked me, so it was him who infected me. I wasn't able to walk and talk. I had to learn everything again from the beginning. You mean infected her? It took two or three months. I had a stutter and still do. Uh, he gave her syphilis. Is what she meant by being infected. Um, unfortunately, Popkov was a fairly popular sergeant or lieutenant, depending on which source you're reading. Uh, so they weren't really buying her ID of him uh, because he did. She did point him out, right? So the investigation into her attack was brief. She was questioned, said she'd been attacked by a police officer, and then was shown a photo of Popkov and his Lada, 
or Leda 4x4, which is a mm-hmm. uh, type of off-road vehicle used by law enforcement in the area. She saw the photo and she's like, yeah, 100%, absolutely, that's the guy that did this to me, no questions. But again, he was popular, they didn't buy it. And just for posterity's sake, they went to his wife, Elena, who also happened to work for the police, and asked her if her husband had an alibi for the night Svetlana was attacked. She claimed they had been together that night and Svetlana's case was dropped. She's like, oh, yeah, no, my husband was totally with me and definitely not out attempting to murder this girl. Um, Another woman came forward and said she had also survived an attack from Popkov. Uh, Yevgenia Protosova was 18 at the time and shared in an interview that it happened in July 1999 when I was 18. My boyfriend had invited me to a restaurant and we left it about midnight. He wanted me to go to his place, but I strongly refused and asked him to take me home. Then he got angry and shouted that I could go home on my own. I want to punch your boyfriend in the face from 1999. Yevgenia, I just want to punch him right in the mouth. I'll just get him right in the taint. So she started walking and was stopped by the plainclothes Popkov, who offered her a ride after showing her his police ID. Like the others before her, he took her to an isolated area, uh, bludgeoned her over the head, and raped her, leaving her naked and unconscious. Uh, She recalled that night in an interview saying, My place was very close, some three minutes drive away, and we were quickly there. Instead of stopping, he accelerated the car and drove away. I began to scream. I was so lost, I did not know what to do. I could not stop screaming, and he hit me on the head, and I lost consciousness. All the rest I remember in bits and pieces, but I can recall that he drove me to the forest. He got out of the car and tried to drag me out, too, having hit me strongly on the head one more time. I vividly remember this face, looking like a beast, and I got completely scared. Somehow it helped me to keep going. I clearly understood that he was going to kill me, so I gathered all my strength, quickly jumped out of my high-heeled shoes, and ran away. But I was not strong enough to escape from him, and my head was already injured. Of course, he caught me quickly and hit me on the head again. The terrible fear of imminent death was my last memory. The next time I regained consciousness, I was in the hospital in Irkutsk. Uh, What happened was that people picking mushrooms found me in the forest the next day. This is what my mother told me. My mother explained I was totally naked. This bastard undressed and raped me and then thought he had strangled me to death. Um, I have no idea how I got back to life. There is still a scar on my neck after the strangling, but thank God it is almost invisible for other people. Wow. Yeah. Evgenia didn't go to the police and tried hard over the next 13 years to forget what had happened to her. She got married and had two kids, never telling anyone about her attack. Until 2012, when she saw Popkov on TV after his arrest. When I saw Popkov's photograph online in 2012, I instantly recognized him, even though the first image I saw had blurred eyes. But I decided not to go to the police. I thought it was so long ago and nobody would listen to me. And how could I prove it was him? But the investigators found me because of my attack and invited me for a chat. There was also a confrontation with him, and I confirmed to police he was the maniac who attacked me, raped me, and tried to kill me. Why did I keep silence for so many years? I have a good family now. I'm married with two children. I have a son and a daughter. I had never told my husband what I had to go through, but I must say I had been living under a huge pressure inside. This story just did not go away. I felt a great relief when I told my story, first to the police, then to my husband, and now I feel better each time I tell my story. I went to court because it helped me to get rid of my ordeal. I had lived with it for so many years, and now I feel so much better. Still, I have to say that there is such a huge pain in my heart, I can't imagine I will completely 
be cured of it one day. Now, the police were acutely aware that they were dealing with a serial killer, but were just hands in pockets whistling at the sky about it. Um, they assumed initially that their guy was literally every profession except a cop. Oh, of course. Uh, like someone who worked at the cemetery because some of the bodies were found near the cemeteries. Um, uh, I think they said like a heating worker, like a construct, like just a ton of, yeah, hundred grand. Do you remember the love that we had for these candies last night? Well, yeah, because they're fucking incredible. Yeah, we made it hundred grand. We sure did because anyway, they're great. They are. I just but yeah, they're like having a bag of candy in my car. Yeah, they're like this. It can't. It's, it's got to be like a grave digger or something. Uh, somebody working on the heaters. Oh, and most definitely. That is nope. Can't be a cop. Absolutely not. Never uh, is, sirs and ma'ams. So this one detective though said they were looking for someone. That is charming and sociable. Women like him, but he is a beast inside, and it is always hard to fight a werewolf. Eventually, investigators honed in on the fact that tire tracks from a Lada 4x4 were at multiple crime scenes. The light bulbs finally went off, and they were like, oh shit, cops drive those. Oh shit. You don't fucking say. So, following this revelation, 3,500 officers and former officers from the Irkutsk region were required to submit to DNA testing, including Popkov. He hadn't been on the force for years at this point and had worked in security and sold cars on the side, but he was called in and submitted his DNA. When the results came back, Popkov was a 100% match for some semen that had been found on one of the victims. Right, row semen. Uh, the woman in question had syphilis at the time of her death, and they discovered that their suspect had contracted it as well. Uh-oh. Uh, ex-police investigator Nikolai Ketiev said that it was just enough to perform a DNA test of this man, but the police interrogated Popkov's wife, who composed an alibi for her husband. Does she have syphilis? Later, he became more careful and carried on with his horrific crimes. He became more careful. Mm-hmm. But does his wife have syphilis? You will never find out. Because there is literally no information saying either way. Huh. Uh, so... Popkov was arrested in Vladivostok on June 24th, 2012. Uh, Vladivostok is nowhere remotely near Angarsk. Uh, they're roughly 4,000 kilometers or 2,500 miles away from each other. Um, it said that he would travel to Vladivostok fairly frequently after he retired from the police force and would go out there to buy cars that he intended to sell. However, after the DNA test was administered, Popkov knew his time was running out and he was planning to escape. Uh, Vladivostok is right on the Sea of Japan. So one flight and he'd have been gone for good. Huh. Uh, following his arrest, he said, I could not anticipate the examination of DNA. I was born in another century. Now there are such modern technologies, methods, but not earlier. Uh, if we have not got to that level of genetic examination, then I would not be sitting in front of you. Huh. I mean, he's not wrong. No. 
Uh, His first trial was held in 2015, and while prosecutors deemed him as having a pathological attraction to killing people and homicidal mania with sadistic elements, he was found fit and sane enough to stand trial. Uh, He was convicted of murdering 22 women and for the attempted murders of two others and received a life sentence. Um, During the trial, psychiatrist Alexander Grishin testified that there are two groups of maniacs, organized and non-organized. Non-organized maniacs are easy to catch. Their crimes are quickly solved. They are people with psychiatric pathologies who live in their own world. They are hiding from people, often untidy. Organized maniacs, Popkov is a good example, are people of high mental abilities, socially adapted, often with families. They find convenient jobs, which secures them and gives them time for crimes. It is a hard job to catch such a maniac. It is hard to spot such a person. Even police enrollment tests are not good enough for it. The fact that only drunk women attracted him, blah, blah, blah. Mother used to drink alcohol, what I said earlier. Sure. Uh, Criminologist Yuri Antonian who gave evidence during the trial shared with tabloid oh boy Komsomolskaya Pravada good job thank you it was not right but it was close enough doesn't matter uh he said that he got pleasure from this he saw this as his purpose in life and another expert testified that the bodies of many victims were found in strange poses because he raped them in abnormal ways I don't like that. Don't ask me what it means. I hate that. Because I can't tell you. I don't want to know. I don't have. It's horrible. It's enough. It's terrible and I hate it. So when addressed in court, Popkov said, I had a family. My wife and daughter considered me a good husband and father, which corresponded to reality. I had a double life. In one life, I was an ordinary person. In my other life, I committed murders, which I carefully concealed from everyone, realizing that this was a criminal offense. My wife and daughter never knew about the crimes I committed uh, that I committed and did not even suspect this. Uh, Judge Pavel Rukov, Ru, oh shit balls. Get it. Rukovishnikov. Yes. Oof. You did good. Thank you. You are. Uh, he asked Popkov uh, what would have what he would have done differently if he could turn back time, and Popkov shared that all initially should have been changed straight from school since childhood. Uh, when the judge asked how many murders he committed, Popkov callously replied with a shrug, a shrug, I can't say for sure. I didn't write them down. Excuse you. Wow. So when he was informed that two of the women he attacked had survived, he became visibly annoyed. Uh-oh. Uh, both Svetlana and Yevgenia were in court. Svetla- Svetlana said, I recognized him in court. He was handcuffed. I lost the ability to walk again the second I saw him. He said nothing to me when he saw me in court, did not ask to forgive him, nothing. I was shocked to know the amount of victims. He does not deserve to live. If not for him, I would have a normal life, had a family, given birth to great kids. But for me, I live my life only with medicines. He doesn't repent. He is a monster. He is a monster. Yeah. Yevgenia's statements were similar uh, with her saying, I felt disgust when I looked at him, sitting behind, uh, sitting there behind bars, so small and skinny. And with me, he was strong and healthy. I don't want to know what I don't want to know that this beast will live. He should be executed, shot dead. Uh, initially, 
He claimed that he'd stopped killing in 2000 after contracting syphilis because it had made him impotent, saying, I just neglected the illness, tried to cure it myself, and was afraid to go to the hospital. And I felt the consequences. I became impotent. After that, I lost the desire to rape and murder. In a surprise to no one, that was a lie. Investigators were still finding bodies that fit his M.O. up until at least 2000 and 10. And those are just the ones in the Irkutsk region. So who knows how many women he potentially killed when he was out of town. Uh, Two years into his life sentence, Popkov admitted to an additional 59 murders. 59 additional murders on top of... That's a lot of people. On top of the 22 he was already convicted of. Wow. He admitted to 59 more. Uh, which did earn him a second life sentence. Due to a lack of evidence regarding three of the victims, he was only charged with an additional 56 murders, bringing the total to 78. Uh, He prided himself on having a higher kill count than both infamous infamous Russian murderers Andrei Chikatilo and Alexander Pachushkin, often bragging about it to other inmates. Ew. Uh, Popkov seemed to have a photographic memory when it came to his crimes, much like Samuel Little, and used that to help investigators locate the bodies of many of his victims. Um, During one of his trials, I'm not sure whether it was the first or the second, he also confessed to killing a fellow male officer one night. Oh. Um, Only one male that he killed. The rest were all women. Um, So he seemed totally chill, having two consecutive life sentences handed down to him, despite spending the rest of his life and miserable days in Russia's infamous prison, the Black Dolphin. Uh, So imagine Australia when it was just an island full of the worst criminals imaginable, and that's essentially what the Black Dolphin prison is. Yeesh. It is the worst of the worst. Uh, And it sounds fucking terrifying. The only thing Popkov wasn't chill with? Losing his police officer's pension. Uh, He'd allegedly been told that if he cooperated with the police and assisted them in their continuing investigations, his wife Elena would keep receiving the monthly 24,000 rubles, which is about 340 U.S. dollars. Uh, She'd keep getting those payouts if he helped. And then they were like, no, just kidding. So when Popkov learned of that news, he became furious. According to state prosecutor Alexander Shkinyov, he was calm when he heard the life sentence, but then got very upset about the rank and pension decision. Popkov thought that his cooperation with his investigation should have earned him a better result from the court. He will be appealing this part of the sentence to remove his pension. Whether or not that part of his ruling was overturned, I don't know because there's no current information on it. Uh, But what about his family? Initially, they didn't believe he was guilty and stuck by him, claiming that he was the perfect father and husband. Uh, his wife Elena said in an interview that the allegations against her husband were quote-unquote fairy tales and continued on saying, We met on the Monday and Tuesday before sentencing and discussed this situation. He already knew that it would be a life sentence. He denied everything. Even when our daughter Katya asked him, he said, Katya, you understand that all of these allegations are fairy tales. It is the system. I have worked within it. I know this system well. We have been married for 28 years. If I suspected something wrong, of course I would divorce with him. I support him. I believe him. If he were to be released right now, I would not say a word, and we would continue to live together. I love him. I support him. Yeesh. He did not cause me any harm for all these years. I felt safe with him. 
Uh, Irkutsk region senior prosecutor Olga Muzyakova said his wife did not divorce him, but his family moved to another city. It was hard for them to live in Angarsk after such a story, but his wife wrote appeals and asked to see him in jail until the last moment they often saw each other. Uh, the wife has not rejected her husband, even after his shocking confessions to investigators. They are still married. Um, his mother also, uh, his mother, Antonina, also believed her son was innocent, saying, I cannot believe he walked alone to the forest in a police uniform. Where was the blood? His clothes should have been covered in blood, or if he had tried to wash the blood away, the clothes would have been wet. His wife definitely would have noticed all that. He loves his family, cherishes his daughter, and he dreamt about grandchildren. He would not have done this. He will remain my son until my death. He studied well, and from the very beginning, he was an excellent pupil. He loved to cook um, pancakes or something like this, and he was very neat like me. Misha, give us some sign if you have done all of this or not. And if so, why? It is hard to live knowing nothing. We need to know. And his so he liked to make pancakes. Great, right? Cool. Okay. Uh, his his cool. yeah, exactly cool. Great. Cool. Okay. Uh, his daughter Katya said in one interview that I do not believe any of this. I always felt myself as daddy's girl. For twenty five years, we were together hand in hand. We walked, rode bikes, went to the shops, and he met me from school. We both collect model cars, so we have the same hobby. I wanted to be a criminologist, so I read a book with tips of how investigators catch serial killers, and there was also basic classifications about murderers. Daddy doesn't fit any of these classifications. He doesn't look like some maniac. In 2007, or I'm sorry, in 2017, she was interviewed again. She had, by this point, moved out of Angarsk, gotten married, and was now pregnant with her son, and she became a teacher. Uh, she revealed that she wanted to speak with a psychiatrist to see if her son could potentially, and this is a quote, inherit the maniacal inclination of his grandfather. Um, she also wanted her father to be sent to Moscow for a psychiatric evaluation in the hopes of meeting with him there, saying, I want to look into his eyes and understand if he really could be that killer. Mind you, this is post-confessions, and both times he was like, oh yeah, 100% absolutely most definitely killed a lot of women. Uh, in fact, his actual words were, I admit my guilt in full. Committing the murders, I was guided by my inner convictions. Uh, but Katya still finds it hard to believe that her father is the Angarsk maniac. She tried to rationalize his innocence by saying that she'd never seen any cuts, bruises, or blood on him, and that he'd never been violent with her or her mother in the past. She said, watch how a butcher works. He is covered in blood from head to toe. Did the women lay down meekly by themselves? I bet they would leave marks, bites, or scratches. You cannot hide this. But my father did not have any suspicious marks on his body or face. Um... I lost track of the exact quote, but Popkov did admit checking on his wife on several occasions as he was worried that he may have killed her in the middle of the night. Uh, he then claimed to have thought about doing so often and stopped drinking heavily so he didn't have the urge to follow through. Um, also, after his second confession and life sentence, Elena divorced or left him and started a relationship with an investigator on his case. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Like allegedly. Okay, look, I get sweet little Katya, like you don't want to believe your daddy could do that shit. I get that. I do. But when there is so much evidence and he's just like, yeah, I kind of did all this shit, you have to kind of be like, okay, well, my dad's a monster. And that's going to fuck you up. But honey, 
You're a kid. You inspect your father head to toe when he walks in the door? Yeah, denial is a real right heavy situation. And I get it. Nobody wants to be like, yep, nope, my dad's a fucking monster. Nobody wants that. No. But sweet pea, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, so Mikhail Popkov will be spending the rest of his natural-born life in either the Polar Own or the Harp Jail, uh, likely in solitary confinement. Um, so it seems like they have moved him from the Black Dolphin to another prison. But again, I can't tell you for sure because no, there, there is, is not. I no... Like it's called the Black Dolphin, though. Yeah. I, I get joy from that. Um, it's, read up on it. It's a fucking scary-sounding place. Oh, I bet. Allegedly, they... Uh, like, all of the victim, or victims, inmates are in their own like solitary confinements mm-hmm. and they are blindfolded when well, they're taken it. when they're taken out of their cell to go somewhere else so they can't figure out where they are what the layout is it's fucking russia dude i believe it yeah so again he will be he has two life sentences uh and in july of 2020 just last fucking year Uh-oh. he confessed to two more murders right. bringing his total number of admitted victims to 83 Wow. And that is the story of Mikhail Popkov, the Angarsk maniac, the Wednesday killer, the werewolf of Irkutsk. Irkutsk. Um, Sorry, Katya. Yeah. Sorry, uh, girl. My sources, bbc.com, vsp.ru, Lyudmila Bigagoina. Uh, Ranker, Kat McAuliffe, Mirror.co.uk, Jane Lavender, TheJournal.ie, TheSun.co.uk, Will Stewart, uh, HuffPost.com, Emily Thomas, Wikipedia, CBS News, DailyMail.co.uk, Will Stewart, uh, Murderpedia, TheDailyBeast.com, Katie Zavadsky, SiberianTimes.com, Annie, or I'm sorry, Anna Lysovkaska, uh, Derek Lammy, and staff articles, like, it, literally every article Siberian Times had on him is something I used. Uh, independent.co.uk, Adam Lusher, All That's Interesting, John Karoski, and Time Suck podcast, Dan Cummins. Yeah. And that is that story. Yeah, I'm going through, I was like, oh, blacked off from prison. I was like, oh, God, Yeah, it's fuck, scary. Why is this prisoner hot? Fuck. No, he looks like Tommy Shelby from fucking Peaky Blinders. And then he smiled, and I was like, nope. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all bad. Like that, no, uh, I'm pretty sure that once you go in there, you're not getting out unless you're getting transferred somewhere else. Yeah, no, it looks a little. (laughs) It's a scary, scary place full of scary, scary people. Oh, yeah, it is. Mm, Like that. Daddy? No, stop. No. What? Bitch, I will punch (laughs) you in the face. Do you realize that those men have probably killed more people than you've met in your life? Combined between them? Absolutely not. No. No, no, no. This one guy was really hot and then he smiled. No. 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 You know what? No, he's not hot. You know why? Because he's in the fucking Black Dolphin Russian prison. He's not hot. We don't don't stand prisoners here. We don't. No. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Give me your phone. <laughs> but also give me one of them hundred grams. <laughs> yeah, I got you. But yeah, that fucking guy. I almost did this one last week, but 
I was like, there's too many places I have to look for stuff, and I don't have the time. You ready? Yeah. Catch. Oh, fuck. She dropped it. So we went trick-or-treating last night with with, uh, Goose and... And Goose's son, my nephew, and then my grandchild, who was Catboy and was the fucking cutest. My daughter, her boyfriend, friend, her daughter, like everybody. We all went out. We went trick-or-treating. The boys had their little buckets. And then we had a wagon with a speaker that we played music on. We had a Halloween playlist. And the boys would gather all the candy, fill their bucket, and then dump it into the wagon and then go get more. (laughs) (laughs) And then Z and I had like... Serious conversations over some hundred grands about how fucking good they were and what they are. I mean, right, right now, right? I mean, it's it's an antiquated bar. Like, who's like, yeah, I'm gonna give me a hundred grand? And I'm like, fuck me now that I remember they existed. Were we just sitting on the couch drinking wine, or were we trying to watch something? No, there was just wine and candy. That's mm. what, okay. Just well, sure. Ninety Day Fiance. Oh, some, that's right. Ninety Day Fiance was on. And some iteration was and, on in the yeah, background. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, fuck. We done done it. We did done do it. We lost Randall. We see he's tapped the fuck out today. He's gone. He's gone. He's. We're gonna have. We're gonna have down. to button ourselves. We'll have to get up and press a button. Yep. Button, button, button. So, um, well, we fucking done done it. Y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Share, share, share. Yes. If you would like some exclusive motherfucking content, go become a patron on our Patreon. Yes, the episode is out uh, Monday. Sorry, I meant to post it yesterday on Sunday. And I didn't. Um, fucking, once again... If you have any questions about GEDmatch or opting in uh, so that you could potentially help the DNA Doe Project, um, let us know or look it up if you have any questions. But, yeah, let us know. You can go if anyone would like to. The DNA Doe Project is... um, it, you can go and you can actually... You can sponsor Sponsor a doe. A doe. Because everybody's kind of doing this on their own dime. It's not like they get a lot of funding. So um, you could go pick a dough case that interests you and you could help fund it, which could potentially solve a fucking case. Um, So again, congratulations to our DNA expert. That was a fucking huge, huge accomplishment among so many others like the Green River Killer Mm -hmm. and... Um, but anyway, so yeah, if you guys have any questions about that, feel free to email us. We'll answer them the best we can and point you in the right direction. So till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Do, uh, hats off to the fuck you club. Yeah, that fucking guy. Well, you're fucking guy. Yeah, Mikhail Popkov. Fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. My story, I'm just like, meh. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe we know who it is, but not... Maybe Mike Butler fuck you, potentially. But definite a hearty fuck you to Mikhail Popkov. Hearty and hefty fuck you to that fucking guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. And just for shits and giggles, hey, guess what? Hmm. Fuck you, Bob. Yeah. Bob!
Bab, fuck you, Bob. Okay, so I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch the button. Okay. Button, button, touch the button. We have been left alone. We are on our own devices, and Randall just walked in, and now I don't have to touch the button by myself. Yeah. 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 I've already done the things. I'm about to touch a button. Who do we? Who who was on the fucky club today? Mikhail uh, Popkov. Uh, Mikhail Popkov. Fuck and, that guy in half. And then I had nothing, so I just get. I just he could gave eat three quarters of a million dicks. And then I just gave him old fashioned fuck you, Bob. Seven hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> Thanks for doing that math, buddy. Because <laughs> yeah. I certainly wasn't going to do it myself. I started cooking dinner. I can I smell. smell. It. You like it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Chicken I do. And brussies. I thought I smelled brussies. Yeah. Yeah, but I was just actually, I, that's why I have no headphones on, so I don't know what I sound like. But no, it's okay. I just, I just got up to touch the button, but you I came did. in. You came in at the last minute, saving the fucking day. Brussies sauteed in. In. General sauce. Ooh. And a little bit of soy sauce. Yes. I got to go fry the shit out of when the chicken's almost done. All right. Well, we out. Bye. 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 Nipples. Bye. Yes. <laughs>